Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, this is Pat Iyer, and welcome to Writing to Get Business. Today, we're going to be speaking with Ed Brixey about his journey as an author. Ed and I connected through our mutual involvement in the C-Suite Radio Network Advisors, and this podcast is hosted by C-Suite Radio, which is the largest business podcast network in the world. I asked Ed to join me today because he's had some experiences with writing a book, and I wanted to explore with Ed how he's used his writing to help grow his business. Welcome to the show, Ed. Hi, Pat. It is so great to be here. Thanks for having me. You are most welcome. Tell me about where you were, if we can take you back to the point in your life where you were deciding that you wanted to write a book. What went through your mind? What got you into the mode of actually doing it? Because we know so many people get stalled and never move forward, and yet you accomplish this. It, it was, I fall right back to the old aphorism. I hate writing, I love having written. And just buckling down and writing the book was certainly, it was a challenge. I was something I've always wanted to do. I've always had that as a goal of mine, but, and then finally sitting down to write daily leadership reflections was tough. I was material I had already had. I already been using in my training program, but putting it into this entirely new format was, and I don't want to say ordeal, but it was certainly interesting. Tell me about what you mean by interesting. Well, it just, for the book, the idea was to take my company's training program and then digest it into more of a um, easy format for just putting out into a book. So essentially creating a 30-day long journal that's got, intended to help um, new leaders through those first couple weeks when you find yourself in that position. And so taking the lessons from the class and, okay, what can we put into this well, five to 10 minute reading along with a five to 10 minute mental exercise just to get people thinking about that. And it was such a fascinating process because it's taking things from a training environment and putting it into this entirely new context was just quite honestly fascinating. It was um, just really cool to see how you could to take some of those ideas, reformat them in a new way. It got me thinking in new ways about those ideas and helped my training classes by, and then just to see that slowly over time being built is outstanding. It's been a lot of fun to create it. What I find fascinating about the process that you described is that you went from having training materials and then putting them into a book have you ever gone the other way and taken a book and turned it into training materials? Well, I tend to start with the training materials and then go into, into the book. That's been my mode. It's recently happened with the second volume for Daily Leadership Reflections. We took level two of the training program, and now we're using that same format for our level three program. Interesting. 
when you were going through your training materials, you had to do some sifting and sorting in order to put it into a book form. What was the process that you went through to try to figure out, I've got all this material, what goes into a book and what do I put aside? Oh, exactly. It's, it's tough because it's, it's all your baby and you, it's, you, I love it all. And so trying to just sift through, distill down to the core concepts that are going to be the most meaningful, the most impactful, and find just those nuggets of it that are going to help people in the most immediate way, something that's immediately applicable and something that, that is much easier to wrap your mind around that you don't need so much instruction with. And I think you had a key point there, Ed, what is immediately applicable because there's so much theory, so much research, Mm -hmm. um, so many diatribes that we can go on as authors when we feel endlessly fascinated with our material and expect everybody else to feel the same way about it. Oh, exactly. It's so easy just to write and just write and write and just have these voluminous texts and for the format that I had chosen these short journals it turned into hey what can I say in three to four hundred words about this one topic and then ask a couple questions to guide people through a mental exercise and it was there was a lot of time with this this was a lot of time editing a lot of time spent just trying to craft things in just the most impactful way possible and just capture the true essence without digressing into all of the background theory without digressing into all of the extrania, but just having being focused on here's what you really need to know now. Here's what we're going to talk about today. And here's what I'd like you to think about, about be, as far as being a leader in your position and how you can help your team. It sounds like the length that you were working with would probably be like a short blog post length. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, then gives you plenty of opportunity for repurposing if you chose to. to Oh, absolutely. And then ask a question of the reader. Absolutely. It's something I've thought about a long time with my blog. I'm currently working on another project through through the postings, but it's a great medium. And it's something that I've been looking at for other ways and other uses and other just means to get this, get these ideas out there, certainly. (laughs) In the case of the material that you put together for your book, did that process change the way that you then delivered the training in any way? Um, It gave me new ideas for the training. It certainly helped with some of the anecdotes and it forced me to consider what were some of the most important pieces of the training. And so that a lot of that got integrated into the training program. Um, we did do classroom style for a long time and we made the shift online earlier this year um, before the whole COVID thing. But thankfully, we set up a lot of that digital infrastructure up in place, which is still carrying through, which was a great decision based off of just mm-hmm. scheduling conflicts and other things. But the content was, it was good to understand, okay, what are some of the most important pieces of this as I'm working with some of my peers and my friends while I'm writing, like, hey, what do you think of some of these ideas? Should I leave this one in? Should I leave that one out? And then it helped a lot to get a lot of that feedback and just understanding of, okay, here's a lot of training material. We're trying to distill it down into its most essential pieces. Which ones are the most essential? And having some assistance in doing that was very, very (laughs) helpful. Mm 
it sounds like you've got some other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is a risk of being too subjective when you're putting material together for writing or training? Oh, absolutely. There's, it's, I look at it like I look at many other entrepreneurial pursuits. It's, if you have, if you create something that's perfect for you, it's going to be great for you, but definitely not for your customers. And so being able to solicit a wide band of advice, of ideas, and incorporate that. I mean, and it's advice, so you can take it or leave it, but understand that, okay, what's some of the other people's perspectives? How do they articulate things? Do they understand my concepts in the way that I'm speaking them? Does it feel impactful to them? And asking all those tough questions and using that to help craft your writing or your venture or your business or your training, because in the end, it's for someone else. And if it's just right for you, you're going to miss Mark. So making sure that you have and incorporate all those different ideas creates a much more well-rounded product in the end. And did you self-publish this book? I did. I did. <laughs> yes. Is it then in print form as it a, a workbook? It is on Amazon as a, um, as a print book, as a Kindle edition. And if you go on my website, you can also pick up just a workbook of all of the mental exercises. And tell our listeners the title of your book, since we've just been okay. referring to it as It. <laughs> okay. It is Daily Leadership Reflections, and there are two so far, a guided journal for new leaders and a guided journal for experienced leaders. Do you have more books in you, Ed? I do. I'm currently working on continuing the, guided, the Daily Leadership Reflections series. We're putting out one. I'm doing the, I, would, I don't want to say first draft edits, maybe second or some another draft edits on the on one for entrepreneurs as well as level three of our training program is coming out later this year on for executives. And then also I'm working on another project where I've been interviewing veterans and um, cobbling together a lot of stories of military life and pulling the leadership lessons out of that, which I'm really excited about that will be coming out in November. That certainly sounds like an area where there would be a lot of great points to pull out because of the the quick decision-making that leaders in the military have to display and the ability to rally the troops. Absolutely. It sounds cliched, but, but to no, get everybody there are so many unspoken just leadership aphorisms about from coming from the military, and it's so many great lessons. And it's not just the grand strategic ventures. I've been speaking with a lot of NCOs, non-commissioned officers. I've been speaking with a lot of guys who are just down on the line. And it's getting that, those daily anecdotes and the real life um, pieces, not just the, oh my God, amazing, this guy got a medal story, but here's what it mattered to daily life. And here's how it mattered when just building that team, because having that right environment is what enabled people to go out and do such extreme things that we see in so many other books and ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it certainly is a test of your character, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hmm. So you have more books that you're working on and is the book for the military more of a, a narrative book as opposed to a workbook? Yes, it's much more of a narrative book. So we're collecting the stories and we're publishing some of the stories and then pulling out some of the leadership lessons and providing some actionable, actionable advice based on that. 
sounds fascinating. Thank you. I wanted to go back to the editing process because we talked sure. about the easy way you can become too subjective about mm -hmm. what you've written and lose your perspective. At least that's my flavor on it. Having written or edited 49 books, I know it's easy to get caught up in that worldview. And if mm -hmm. it's perfectly clear to me, it must be perfectly clear to my reader. So why do I need to explain it? You know, that type of delusion <laughs> yes. that you can get into. Did you do the editing? Did somebody else do the editing? Of your I books? did the first few rounds of editing, but I've certainly had some outside editors to help with it. Um, that's something for, as a writer, never try to edit your own stuff. That just, because like you just said, you, you know what you've written, you know what you're trying to explain, or you know what you've written and you're just going to expect to read what you've typed. And if you've missed little grammatical errors or periods or commas, you're just, you're going to miss them. So having that impartial third party eyes on is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely essential. What would you say to somebody who argued with you and said, well, that's why I have spell checker and Grammarly. Don't they do the same thing as an editor? Not even close because they'll help you with some of the overall ideas. And yes, Grammarly, it's, I love the product. It checks a lot deeper, but still pulling out the nitty gritty meaning and uh, nitty gritty meaning and the true intent of your words, unless you have somebody asking you, Hey, what do you mean by this? You're never going to have craft your message as well as you could. And I think Grammarly and Spellchecker on another level, and, and I, sh I think you've experienced this, it may correct the sentences it sees, but it doesn't say, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Or you mm -hmm. said the same thing on page 32 in chapter five, and now you're saying the same thing in chapter eight. It won't pick up that kind of repetition. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, nonsensical sentences that are correct grammatically. Mm -hmm. Yes which is, you know, it's the limitations of the tool and they're great for, yeah. okay, I'm writing a quick essay or blog post or something. Yeah. I just want to make sure that's correct. But if I truly want to build something that is going to impact people, keep people involved in it. The humans as opposed yes. to the machines. Certainly. Certainly. Now that you have these series of journals, do you build them into your training if somebody has purchased your course, do they receive those as bonuses or are they separate products? They are currently separate products, but for people enrolling within this next, within the next few weeks when we kick off our next training cycle, yes, they will be receiving an appropriate copy of the book. And I'm thinking also about the Kindle version. It sounds like mm -hmm. these are flexible enough that, that you could write in a print copy or you mm -hmm. can read the content in a Kindle, uh, you're involving two different methods of publication and two different ways of consuming the information. Mm -hmm. Had you done Kindle books before? I had not. <laughs> um, certainly as a self-published author, that was a large chunk of the learning curve was um, copy editing and formatting and putting all those different pieces together to upload onto KDP Mm -hmm. It was, there's a lot of great resources out there. There's a lot of great YouTube videos, but certainly until you 
uh, roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. There's, it's an entirely different learning experience. I have turned one of my books into a Kindle book and I hired um, the man who laid out my physical book, who's laid out my last 15 books. I hired him to do the formatting for the Kindle book because frankly, it intimidated me. Yes. It was when the first book first went up on Kindle, my, a friend of mine picked it up, went to open it and said, it's completely white. I can't read it. Oh. <laughs> so I very frantically was um, Googling things on the phone with um, Amazon tech support. And it took about three days for me to figure out what I had done wrong formatting wise. And it was a matter of just the file types and the way it was constructed and going and rebuilding and using some of the, some different tools to make it <laughs> look the way it was supposed to. It was certainly a challenge. That sounds painful, Ed. <laughs> it was, it was, oh, it was the awful. absolute worst case scenario email I could have gotten. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, what's, and that was for those couple of days was my pure focus, but I learned a lot about publishing on Kindle and how to format it and using Amazon's tools to set up an ebook. It, it was worth it in the end. It's fairly, I won't say it's routine for me now, but it's something I, at least I understand. Mm -hmm. I think probably the only thing worse in my life would be to launch a product and then have people trying to buy it and then the order button doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> much, pretty much. Although uh, I, it felt worse than that because they had already <laughs> ordered it. And I'm like, you guys already paid money for this. I'm so sorry. Oh, yes. And, and of course, if you have a book on Amazon in a Kindle format, you don't know who those purchasers are because mm -hmm. Amazon doesn't share information about your purchase with yes. the author of the book. So you'd have mm -hmm. no way of reaching out to them. Yes, that is one of the most frustrating limitations with Amazon. In the journals that you've put together, did you include any links or ways for people to mm -hmm. be able to connect with you to get additional resources from you? Oh, absolutely. There's all kinds of links in there to my website and to other information that they can use to help them through. It's definitely being designed as a resource to help people. Mm -hmm. So the more that I can point to people towards or help them find answers for some of these difficult questions is happy to do so. And it also builds your mailing list, of course, at the same time. So you can use that list to market additional training and resources. Oh, absolutely. It's something I'm very conservative with that. I don't want to blast things to e people's email, but I'm certainly uh, more than happy to get the inbound calls and the, hey, I found this really interesting. Can you tell me more? And I'm happy to help. That's been my approach strategically towards mm -hmm. a lot of that. What would you say to somebody who is thinking about writing a first book and is procrastinating? <laughs> Just roll up your sleeves and get to it. Put one word after the other. And it's, it takes time. It takes diligence. It takes a lot of, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort, but it's absolutely worthwhile in the end because it's something that, like I said, when we first, when we first started, it's, I love, I hate writing. I love having written. And there's nothing like being able to, to look back at my bookshelf and go, yeah, that one's mine. Is one of your books behind you on the shelf? Actually, no, not right now. I just <laughs> shipped my last copies out. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Yes, when it you is. you don't have any more in stock and mm, you have so sent them. I'm waiting for a few more author's copies to come in. Uh-huh. 
All right, let me recap. Uh, what I think are the, the key points that you've shared with us, Ed, is that you started from the perspective of taking your training materials and putting them into journal format based on the material that you have been successfully teaching in person and then transitioning to online. And it sounds like you've got a series of these patterned journals that are available now and will mm -hmm. be coming in the future. In addition to the book that you're working on telling the stories of veterans with the leadership lessons that you can extract from those veterans. Storytelling, which we didn't go into in this podcast, is a strong way to engage readers and is compelling to them as they hear what happened to those service people and what being in the thick of that type of tension does to your character, to your maturity and your perspective of the world. Uh, you've also shared with us the opportunity to repurpose those 300 to 400 word journal entries into blog posts, which gives you additional ways to link back to your book and that editing of your material by another person is essential because of the things that Spellcheck and Grammarly or tools like Grammarly are not built to be able to pick up. And having links inside your book to back to your website so that people can find out more about you is effective. Um, and I think you've shared with us that if you're planning to format your own Kindle book, there is more of a learning curve than you might expect. Yes. Uh, you have the option of doing it yourself. You have the option of paying Kindle to do it. You have the option of paying a third party person to do it. All of them will get a Kindle book in place, depending upon how much of your time you think you have to invest, which is always a little different than how much mm -hmm. you have to actually invest. Once you get through the learning curve, then it becomes much easier. And your last answer, I particularly like, Ed, when you said, just do it. If somebody's thinking about writing a book, take the opportunity to share your knowledge, put one word in front of the other word, and begin your journey because of the rewards that you can't see at the beginning when you're starting, but the rewards that are waiting for you on the other end. That's a great recap. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> you're welcome. Tell our listeners how they can find out more about you, the company, the books that you've written. Where would you direct them to go? Oh, the best place to go would be straight to my website is www.bluecordmgmt.com. And cord is spelled with an H or with a um, C-O-R-D? C-O-R-D. So B-L-U-E-C-O-R-D-M-G-M-T.com. Oh, so the abbreviation for management. Mm -hmm. Okay, Blue Cord MGMT, MGMT, yes, mm -hmm. dot com. Yep. All right, this has been Pat Iyer and Ed Brixey talking about writing to get business. Thank you, Ed, for your time today and sharing your experiences with our listeners who are listening to this podcast in an audio format or watching it on my YouTube channel in a video format. Thanks so much, Ed. All right. Thank you again, Pat. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate you having me on here. You're welcome. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.